episode 143 of my show that I call Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce industry, of course, other experts that touch on the field that help share their insights on the most important aspects of selling online. You can be an Amazon seller, you can be selling on walmart.com, you can be selling uh, as a brand in retail and then moving to online. We're gonna have experts that are gonna help you elevate your business moving forward. But that being said, this podcast is actually presented by Ping Pong Payments. Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments, where Ping Pong, what is that? It's not a tabletop tennis company, as I like to joke a lot with people. It is actually a cross-border payment solution where people can actually send and receive remittance to different entities like VAs, suppliers, manufacturers overseas, wherever they might lo be located in the United, uh, in the world, I should say. Um, but then also repatriating money. So if you're selling in multiple different marketplaces, you can actually save money instead of paying foreign transaction fees through banks or whatever services out there. So if you're interested, definitely go ahead and check out Ping Pong Payments with that link in those comments or show notes below. It's free to sign up, but make sure that you're saving money with your cross-border payments solution. That could be Ping Pong Payments. That being said, I want to welcome everyone who's tuning in today, whether it's live on our social media channels or be listening to us on our podcast channels uh, on audio format. This is uh, where we like to be a be everywhere podcast. So if you're watching us live, this is an interactive. If you have questions, go ahead and submit those in the comment section and we can see those um, applicable to obviously this uh, topic that we're being covering today. Other than that, uh, it's, it's really exciting and fun show that I have with people that are experts in their field. And this is episode is no exception today. Today's episode is going to be covering quality control and product compliance, lab testing and whatnot. The two important pillars of a successful e-commerce business. Is it the most important thing? I think I would actually argue, yes, it would be actually very important today as a business is growing, as businesses and brands are growing, because it's the most, one of the most technically difficult ones to understand in terms of wherever you might be selling products or services, you must comply with different regulations in those marketplaces. Uh, you don't have the time, money, or effort to them through all those different regulations. Well, there's businesses and companies out there that can help you with that. We've had some of them on the show, but today I am very excited to have uh, Kima um, and the representative over there. His name is Raul Chawa. He is a business development. Uh, he works with uh, quality control for over 13 years now as a CSR and compli uh, product compliance specialist. Uh, has been assisting hundreds of global retailers and brands and e-commerce companies to help them in their, uh, mitigate the risk and help them with their supply chain questions and problems. So that being said, going uh, he, him and his uh, company have been lovely enough to join me on Crossover Commerce. So that further ado, let's go ahead and bring Raul of Kima. Raul, thank you for joining me on Crossover Commerce today. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. How are of you? Course. I'm, I'm doing fine. And I was talking about this. Uh, actually, it might be probably late at night for you right now. I'm sure it is. I'm in, it's early morning for me here in the United States, but you're located in, we said Shenzhen, China. Is that where we Yes. Okay, yes. Perfect. I'm in Shenzhen. Okay. How long have yeah. you been there? Have you lived there for long or how long have you been in China? It's been six and six and a half years now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so what, what brought you into the compliance space? Uh, so Kima came up very big over in China. I'm curious to you the the topic we're covering on is a little technical. So I want to make sure that I understand uh, what what we're going to be diving into. So compliance and product 
testing. Mm. We were mm. we want to make sure that everyone listening to this uh, understands why is that important. Why what should we why should we care about product testing? Right. Uh, I don't have to do it, but I might need to do it uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So let me just you know quickly give background on myself and Kima. So I've been working with Kima for six and a half years, and before that I was working in India for seven years for other QC companies. And uh, speaking of Kima, we started uh, 15 years ago by the name of Asia Inspection, founded in Hong Kong, and today we are known as Kima, and we got offices in 35 different places across the globe. We also got our own laboratories, and we have on-ground staff in more than 85 countries to serve our clients from different parts of the world. So diving into the topic uh, of today, and actually it's an evergreen topic which everyone needs to you know take care of. And I'm so glad you started with the you know emphasizing on the importance of it. So uh, lab testing and quality, and people uh, tend to do mistakes. Uh, even the big come big sellers in the e-commerce uh, you know platforms which really is uh quite a saddening state of affairs because as e-commerce is growing the more is the responsibility of the sellers who are on e-commerce platforms uh, but the problem is like you know most of the e-commerce sellers are people you know who were earlier consumers and they never realized the importance they never knew what is actually happening in the background so me and you when we buy things from walmart or target or dollar tree and so on we just buy and we are happy with the product but we don't realize what these companies have been doing in the background to make sure that we as consumers are kept safe the products are safe we don't die we don't choke ourselves or we don't you know have you know critical illnesses like kidney issues or cancer and so on so that's a big you know reason why i see that sellers don't really you know understand the importance of it and they tend to do mistakes so why we actually need lab testing so the the key is product safety to, the key is to keep the consumer safe now it could be you know physical safety or chemical safety and again going to the you know earlier reason what i told is people realize the the repercussions or the hazards which could happen immediately like yeah if i'm you know standing on the terrace of 32 you know floors building i know if i fall i'm gonna break my bones but if i'm consuming a product which has you know carcinogenic dyes or some chemicals those things show effect after several years so people don't realize the issues around chemical safety very easily so and that's when people think oh this is not really harmful it's okay but the things are very different like if you are buying any product let's say you have children's toys or the shirt i'm wearing right. every product can have chemicals and that's another misconception in e-commerce industry is people think only the gated products or children's products or food supplements only these things have to follow the regulation that's a big mistake and that's a big misunderstanding because every single product has to follow certain regulation there are regulations for almost everything which is being sold in the market and majority will be at least for chemical compliance if not physical safety so the the biggest reason like i said why you need lab testing is to keep you and me safe i mean yeah you could be selling a product but you are also buying products so of course what you would like to buy is a safe product so why not also sell a safe product you know so that's, that's really really important 
Yeah. Right. Well, you, a lot of what you had mentioned, it, it harp, harpens to the, as a consumer, there, there's a lot of trust uh, in e-commerce. So what yeah. a lot of, specifically what we're talking about, this can be for physical products and retail, but also it alludes to literally any form of commerce in general. And that's what we like to talk about on the show is that safety for products at the end of the day, it was a really big prominent focus in the uh, on online. So yeah. if you have products that are being sold in marketplaces, you don't know where they're coming from potentially um, on a marketplace like Amazon, you used to have products that like would explode or ca catch on fire or would cause uh, topical or, you know, just harm to individuals. But now Amazon has actually taken the stance because of legal, I mean, clearly legal reasons that for as sellers on a marketplace, who's really at risk here? Well, ultimately, depending on if someone gets hurt or, yeah. or whatnot, it, it falls back onto Amazon, but also third-party sellers to an extent. Yes. So there's lots of different uh, things you have to be protecting of yourself as an entrepreneur yeah. on these marketplaces. So with that yeah. being said, just in general, we want to make sure that everyone is safe and secured, uh, not creating issues with the products that they're selling. I think that's a given on a lot of cases, but at that, it comes maybe with a difficulty to understand if I want to sell apparel, for example, like this t-shirt, it has dyes mm -hmm. in it. It has sorts of um, constraints to it. Which type of material am I allowed to sell in marketplaces? If it has a sort of nuanced or uh, upcycled or recycled material, can I sell that? All these different kind of nuances that you kind of go in this deep, dark hole, if you will, you're yeah. going to help get navigate the seller to figure yes. out, hey, these are all the things if you want to sell this kind of product. We're going to make sure we can get you there. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, yes, that's very fair to say. And uh, I totally understand because most of the e-commerce companies are smaller companies. It may be maybe just individual seller or maybe a bunch of five guys who you know make a new company and start selling. They might not have you know a dedicated person to manage compliance, unlike big retailers and brands who have dedicated departments, not just one person, they have departments to take care of all this. So it's very understandable. And that's why, you know, companies like us, we are there to handhold the sellers and guide them through the way because we have the, all the expertise and the knowledge what, you know, we can translate to the product compliance for the seller. Gotcha. So with that being said, where does, if I'm a seller and I'm beginning my journey, I'm a small and medium sized business. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come to you, Raul, for what, uh, what, when, when am I ready to come to you? Do I have my product already? Have I sold mm -hmm. on Amazon before? Or do I need to do this all pre-selling online or in any sort of marketplace capacity? Okay, so the first thing is uh, you need to test every product. Doesn't mean only children's products or toys or uh, food supplements and gated or non-gated products. Everything has to be tested for one thing or the other. So the easiest thing is uh, is you come to us early on because the earlier you find the problems, it's better to you know change the materials if you need. So number one tip, which I always suggest my clients is. Uh, you should actually ask us for a free quotation at the product research stage. Now, why I say so is because, like I mentioned, this is something you have to do. You must do. You cannot get, you know, rid of this. You have. You cannot skip it because one, it is mandatory by the regulation. Two, you have to make sure that your product is safe. So you cannot skip this process of lab testing. So, and since you cannot skip, you need to make sure that you include this in your budget. 
Now, when do you do your budget? You do your budget at the product research stage, right? So, of course, you have brilliant tools uh, like Jungle Scout or Helium 10 and whatnot for, you know, very nice product research that you can make. Okay, so let's say you you found three nice products that you think are scalable and sellable, but then you have to look into the product compliance. So the easiest thing is you send us an email to Kima, send us the details of the product, and we provide you with a free quotation. So you get a sense of the cost for the lab testing, which is going to be incurred. You can put that into the budget. If it fits, fit, fits into your budget, great, go ahead. If it doesn't fit, stop right there. Choose a different okay. product. Right. So what, what, are you talking, what are you talking about in terms of cost? Because I, I want to understand. I'm assuming it depends on materials, what category you're in. Is there is there a safe like range to... If I'm a listener right now and I want to know mm. how much should I theoretically budget for, like, is there a range that you're going to be telling mm. customers for testing to make sure your product's just safe in general and it's going to mm. go? This is what you should budget for inspection and quality uh, control, mm. essentially. Mm. So for lab testing, uh, there is not really like a fixed number or a range because, like you mentioned, it it changes with the materials. So it really depends on the product details, like. Uh, it's, it's a very common example I always tell people is a bottle. Okay, now when I just said bottle, it can mean anything, any kind of bottle. It could be just a bottle to, you know, put some oil and keep it, you know, in your garage. Or it could be a drinking water bottle. It can be a drinking water bottle for children. It can be a drinking water bottle with a nice, you know, logo or around it, maybe a cartoon character. So things change drastically. Like it depends on what materials it, it has. Is it made of steel? Is it made of plastic? What kind of plastic? Uh, what are different materials used? Even the colors, like, is it does it is it only white? Is it red? Is it multiple colors? Uh, and like I said, the use of the product, if it is for food contact, there are different regulations. If it's just general products, there are different regulations. If it's just a tiny figurine, uh, you know, just as a showpiece, uh, it's different, you know? And if it's for children, of a certain age, it's different. So there's not really a range. It can be few tens of dollars to even thousands of dollars. It really depends on the product. Tomorrow, if you have a Wi-Fi enabled uh, water bottle, yeah, things change because you have Wi-Fi modules attached to it. So, you know, <laughs> things The more change, complex you know, your product gets, the more testing it needs yes, to be. So yes. maybe, maybe yeah. specifically in categories, if I were doing lab testing, is there mm. is there an area that seems to be more difficult than others in terms of so let, let let's say the biggest market in the United States or the biggest market in e-commerce is Amazon.com mm. um, mm. for for most sellers so most people are going to first start in the United States to sell their yeah. products if yeah. I am want to sell a good in the United States that being my barrier if you will barrier to entry what is the most difficult category to get into in terms of like compliance regulation, lab testing and so forth? Um, let me put it this way. It's not really difficult if you follow the right thing. It could sure. be more costly compared with. So sure, uh, let's go that way. How, how, how I you know really suggest is if the seller is at a very beginning of his business, he or she should go for simpler products, like really, really simple. Uh, try to avoid electronics, try to avoid which are, you know, let's say children's products. And the lesser the materials, the, you know, easier and uh, cheaper it is. 
You say less materials, not like the less yes. quality material. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So like, let me give an example. There was a friend of mine in Hong Kong and she was trying to sell those, you know, party packs. Like, you know, if you, you have balloons and whatnot, five, 10 different things. And the problem is there are so many materials. And for such products, maybe the value of the product, like the cost of the product is really low. It's a party item. So it's like use and throw. So the margin was really low while the cost was uh, cost of testing was getting higher. So she had to drop that product. Gotcha. Yes, you we, can go, go for that product. If say you are a you know seller who has been established in the business for several years or you know things are growing well and you have multiple product lines. So yeah, you can balance the cost in your business. Yeah, perhaps you're losing in one product, but you are making money in the other one. So then you can balance it out. Then it's definitely. fine. Right. Well, yeah. I, and, and that's what, that's what I've always tried to understand it of recently. Um, I noticed that Amazon is putting like certifications on product listings and you can start to say like eco-friendly, or you can start mm -hmm. to say basically anytime that there's a claim can be involved, right? Like if it, if people try to stay away from like loses weight or like grows back hair, things like that, which yeah. are really hard to like measure. But, and ultimately at the end of the day, Amazon has this, right? Like this form if you're in a specific category you have to submit all this documentation that shows like safety security is that is that still true or is that is there a process that takes a long time for them to accept all those materials or is it pretty quick or uh certifications um yeah. but no, it's not just amazon it's like just customs in general getting your products into a country what mm. what's kind of that processes of getting goods into the united states what do we need to know if i'm a first-time seller that is going to make my first shipment hopefully here in the next few weeks because Q3 and Q4 is coming. Um, what do I need to know in terms of getting my product inspected, but then also, you know, rightfully set up so I'm successful? Yeah. So the first thing that you need to understand and engrave on your head is you are responsible for what you're selling. Okay. Perhaps you you can get away with the things in the beginning. You might have got your products across the border and successfully placed in the warehouse, but anyone can check up on you at any time. And if you're caught with no testing reports at all, it's a nightmare. We have had cases and we have successfully resolved them eventually, but uh, there was one woman in, in Australia and she was selling some children's products in the US market and she had nothing. She could sell for one year and suddenly the, the products were flagged and she was asked to produce the reports within 10 days. Oh, wow. Now so, imagine so the in theory, Yeah, I was going to say, in theory, she did the right thing. If she's working with like Akima, for example, uh, she mm -hmm. would have those documentations in a folder or digital file and mm -hmm. you, you would just send them off to Amazon or whomever that entity is and you would be good to go. Is that... That would be best case scenario in that regard. You know what? It was worse because she had nothing. She never even uh, tested the product at all. Oh no! So she right. she literally had ten days to test to get the reports and send it to Amazon. Is that a is that a quick process? Like I, I guess my question is like I, I'm not into uh, I've never uh, done a quality control or um, a lab test. Mm. But I, to me, that sounds like. <laughs> I'm coming at from maybe a silly, like you think about like lab tests, uh, like blood work or anything like that, like almost like very intricate. You have to test every quality piece of material, but then also uh -huh. with products you're, you see like those, like for cars, for example, like mm. this is not, you would sell this online, 
but it would be something where like test test uh, crash test um, you have um, certain handleability all the any type of moving part has to be tested yeah. and retested and then those certifications are quote set in place then that's when you go to market with your product and goods so you have that all those different like moving parts something breaks down obviously then there's a, there's a lot of moving parts in that capacity but for uh for someone who's you know selling widget xyz or like for mm -hmm. example this leather uh coaster you want to make sure like this leather is if it's uh you know organic or if it's a type of material if it's dyed any sort of way you want to make sure that the mm -hmm. dye is tested mm -hmm. it doesn't like cause any sort of harm or damage to skin or irritation mm -hmm. so your customer yeah. had 10 days to turn around is that a lot of time a short amount of time can you get that done Sure. Area. So it, it really depends again on the product. Uh, sure. In her case, it was a children's product, product. So we have to look at the physical safety and both the chemical safety. Uh, now, chemical safety. So let me just give you a quick example. Like it happens uh, in chemical safety. We try to sample the, 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 chemi the chemicals from the product. Like we scrap off the coating and so on. And we put it in a machine and we see how much of the quantity is there of the uh, restricted or a banned chemical as per the regulation. Mm -hmm. So we scrap off materials from the sample. We put it in a big machine, which is uh, there in the lab. And that machine takes, you know, let's say three to five days to analyze and tell, okay, this much of the quantity of chemical was there. Okay. So then we refer back to the regulation that, okay, how much is the permissible limit? And then we translate the results in the report. Similarly, in physical compliance testing, we look at the physical things like, let's say, uh, small parts regulation. Now, small parts is for uh, young children when, you know, they can gulp down something small, which could choke them and, uh, you know, they can die. So we have a machine which replicates that real life scenario and tells, you know, whether this particular thing is too small to be gulped down or not. Okay. So... In terms of when you ask me the turnaround time, it depends on the product details based sure. on which we decide what tests have to, have to be done and how much time each test can take. Now, typically it takes as less as three days or it could go even 10 days, nine days, depending on the product details and the test that will be applicable. So you're definitely, you're definitely correct that this should absolutely be done in the pre- product development phase and before yes. the launch of products. So because of time, like time, that 10 days is a long time in the, in yeah. the, in the world of e-commerce where yeah. that, you know, a week and a half of sales, if your product is flagged, for example, like in this case, I'm assuming if that happens at an inopportune time, let's call it Q4 and your product yeah. is a child's toy or anything like that, you have instantly just torpedoed your, your business for a week and a yeah. half of losing money every single day that you could be earning. But then also yeah. you could be if that 10 day turnaround time. I'm assuming that Amazon would just, or who, wherever platform they were on, you're just like, all right, you're permanently removed because you don't yeah. have the, those forms. Um, and, and it may be way completely difficult to get back on and to any sort of, you said they were on for a year. I'm assuming you do fairly well. It might get a whole nother year before they're back up to that, that yeah. place where they were at. Yeah. So very I mean, important. imagine, you know, I mean, imagine your, your inventory is lying there, but you really cannot sell it. You're losing your customers. Perhaps there are repeat customers. Perhaps your product is kind of a thing that you have like a whole ecosystem built around it of different other products. You lose everything and definitely your brand. And by the way, it's not just Amazon or Walmart or the e-commerce platform who can come after you. It could be anyone, an NGO, a law firm, consumer himself. 
can be anybody. And by the way, there are there are you know cases you can go on cpsc.gov and there are recall lists there. So you can actually see the real life examples what pro- products are recalled. God forbid you got on, get on that list, you're done for your business. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So is there is there is there a so yeah I would I would say like this this, this should shape in the product development phase, I would think like to, yes. to know these details, which is very important. Why, why knowing yeah. and having this conversation with you is so important, Raul. What, like, I, I would think I would want to know as a seller, if I'm developing and utilizing and coming up with different ideas, I want to invest my hard earned money into, right? Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, you want to go with, I want to stand out, but I want to be unique and I want to be different, but I also want to know it's going to work monetary, monetarily wise. Yeah. yeah. The big thing yeah. I think that you're trying to avoid here also, not just safety, but in terms of like recalls or bad reviews, product breaks too easily, the materials are cheap, so on and so forth, right? No one wants to have a, a terrible feel of a product or you want something that lasts very long. Um, you do yeah. that with warranties, you can do that with like to help people ease of mind. But is there, do you see certain categories in terms of like products get recalled more because of its complexities or mm-hmm. I guess we're trying to, I'm trying to help the consumer say like, maybe we shouldn't look into that product area a little mm-hmm. bit too much mm-hmm. because of the difficult natures of reviews uh, could be poorly done. There's competition clearly, but we're talking about just logistical nightmares in terms of like breakage or even mm-hmm. recalls on products and safety. Yeah. So is there anything that you've seen personally that that would, Yes. Yes. So the the biggest categories uh, which really face recalls would be electronics, uh, children's items, uh, skincare products. Those are the biggest, you know, which which face recalls. And speaking of, you know, how you take this approach from the beginning is, uh, and one thing which which is really important and really really matters here is how serious is the business. Okay. How serious the seller is, are they trying to just sell on the side or they're really looking forward to take their whole career into it and they're, they have a long-term, you know, vision of, about their business. That's really, really important because if, if you're a long-term player, of course, you'll have to do like things from the ground up. So how people really approach like in this way is uh, like Kima has, you know, a service wherein we help the client to at the development stage. So if you are creating a completely new product, which is common in the e-commerce industry, you want to you know, rank high. So you have to be a very unique uh, product. So we can help at that particular stage that, okay, I have this product. What do I do? do does it really comply or should I change the design? So we also do design consultation from the compliance perspective. That's number one. The second thing, which is, quite common, especially with the bigger companies, bigger brands is they do material testing or pre-production testing. Okay. But if you talk of e-commerce, uh, we understand, you know, sometimes the margins are not really well and there's tough competition. The bare minimum that a seller should do is test at the very, very early stage of the production, like let's say under 5%. So it's very easy because of course you have done your budgeting at the product research you you asked us for a free quotation of the lab testing based on that you budgeted and then you chose the product which you should mm-hmm. go forward with fair then when you have raised the po to the supplier and the supplier has started you know producing 
at that time, the first few pieces, you send it to us. And at that time, we test. If things are going wrong way, if the report fails, then you ask the supplier to redo the things and send, a, send the product again to us with better materials, which would eventually pass. Unlike you know, doing things at the end or doing things one year after you have been already been selling and when you got really flat. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that all makes sense. And laboratory testing to me is, is very, there's so much detail that it needs to be super important. Again, in that process, he's, yeah. there's different countries that you guys operate in. This is not just, you guys are based in China, but it's not just in China that, that this has to happen. It could be any sort of factory or location um, I'm assuming operations, what in India, Mexico, like very high, um, supplier and manufacturing countries that are creating products. Are you guys pretty much all those major, com- uh, countries where they're operating? Yes, we, we are very much there. So in terms of inspections, we are in more than 85 countries. If you talk of our lab services, we are, uh, serving of course in China, Hong Kong, uh, us also, we have a lab in upstate New York, uh, oh, France, okay. Mexico, Germany, India, Vietnam, Bangladesh, and so on. So we are everywhere, uh, you may, you may need us. So wait, uh, I guess my, maybe this is a clarifying question for myself. Uh, when a lab test do, am I sending the, the materials to the market that I want to be selling in. So for example, if I'm going to be selling in the United States, Mm. do I need, do I need to have the lab testing done in the origin country of where I'm making that product? Or do I need to send it to a lab in that market that needs to. Okay. Glad you asked me because this is a very, very common confusion we come across. Uh, it's not necessary to sell, to test it in the U.S. You can very well test it in China or Hong Kong or India, wherever we are sourcing from. But of so, course, yeah, that, if your products are already there in the U.S. and you don't have anything with the supplier, yeah, we can help you in the U.S. if you need. Gotcha. So that that's good to know because I feel like um, the the for compliance reasons, like they they're mm-hmm. accepting of different like forms and regulations, forms and uh, documentation um, yeah. in that regards too. Is there a basis of so we're talking about lab testing? How often am I lab testing my products? Is that is that something that needs to be done? Just simply just every iteration of the product, whether it be a new color or a new um, material, or is that something I should do ongoing no matter what, if nothing changes? Yeah. So uh, if you're changing the color or any design aspect, basically you are changing the material or adding new materials. That's definitely needs to be tested. If it's just a matter of shape or size, that's fine. And speaking of how often you should do it, uh, we suggest you should do at least once a year, because of course there's a lot of turnaround in the factories, things change. Uh, so one year is a sweet spot. So is that, is that due because of the turnaround time? I'm, I'm curious too, that would make sense for inspections, but could the quality material actually change even though nothing has changed? Like you've made no drastic changes, Mm. but because of that turnaround or just over the course of time, there's all those little nuances that could actually affect the the product itself. The, the Uh, I, I call it genesis of the product. Mm. So one is uh, these regulations get updated from from time to time. It okay. could be updated maybe in two years or one year or six months. There could be yeah. updates to it. Of course, we we assist our clients. So we uh, you know publish regulatory updates on Kima.com and we send these updates on emails to make sure that the clients are aware of what is coming up. But it's good to you know check with the lab and if there is an update, you test it again. Another reason why I said you know one year is because especially during Chinese New Year, 
the factory staff changes, the factory itself might change, you don't know. And especially with the chemical compliance, things can go haywire even based on the atmosphere the product is is, is being you know produced in. Uh, let's say leather products. Now, there are certain chemicals in leather which, you know, their the behavior change based on the environment they are in. So it, I'm talking very high level on, in, right. on a macro basis, but things change. And yeah, like I said, you know, you are more than welcome to, to check with us if you, if you would, you know, need to renew or not. So we are happy to help you on that part. No, absolutely. That, that makes sense. And I appreciate that. So with, um, with that being said, um, the, the kind of questions I have, I, I was kind of like, there's so many different things swirling on, in my head. So, uh, bear with me for a second. So with the kinds of goods we're talking about, we, we kind of touched on a couple different things. We talked about materials and whatnot, more soft goods, I would say like, um, but then you have like your hard goods, um, mm. your, your, like your toys, your, um, stuff that can be materials of like jewelry or, uh, toys, you know, like more, more physical nature and materials. Mm-hmm. What we don't talk about a lot is the food concept. So like consumables, uh, if it's, someone's always said it's important to understand and know the compliance of uh, topical or adjustable. So if it's going on, on you or in you, you need to mm-hmm. know, like you need to have those regulations to a T tied up in a nice bow, because that is where you can get like consumable. I mean, just like with medicines, with mm-hmm. any kind of supplements, uh, just any kind of food in general, to me, that would be the most uh scary i would say like products to get into in that regard so if i'm in the industry of like i want to sell something consumable yeah what yeah do you suggest good thing bad thing is just more difficult to pass all these regulations and stringencies uh you know again going to the first thing which i told when we started the session is you're really looking at something which you which you can really imagine of immediate hazard you know Right. And at the same time, yes, it can be an immediate hazard. So I would suggest if you, if someone is really beginning with his journey, try to avoid that. Imagine if someone dies, you know, having a, you know, a protein supplement, big problem. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so in that, be, in that said, um, is with all these reports and whatnot, I'm getting back from my supplier or whatnot. Who, who's going to be sending me these reports? Is this Kima? Or is this the supplier? What what reports from a supplier need to be, you know, for for uh, for a seller to be accepted? Does that make sense? Okay. Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. So let me give you one recent, you know, thing which which we got two days ago from Amazon. By the way, we are Amazon approved, so we we get details and things from directly from them. Also, you're working nicely so- with Amazon. That's a good thing. Like that's a check in a lot of people's boxes. Right. Yes, yes. So, so we are we are approved by Amazon. You can easily find us in the suppliers, uh, you know, SPN. So uh, what I was saying was, two days ago we receive an email from Amazon, and they say, "Oh, this is the report we got, you know, in in one of the sellers' account." And is that real? Is it really your report? And what oh. we actually found was that report was edited PDF. So someone took. Someone took a template or a, a, a document that they did and they yes. forged and they forged it and they sent it over to Amazon. Oh my yes, gosh. Sir. Okay. So so that gives you enough idea what, what really happened then. So what, what people do is they really rely too much on the supplier or the factory. And like I said earlier, you are responsible for what you are selling. You are the one who is answerable. 
to Amazon, to to Walmart, to the regulatory body, to uh, you know a law firm, all of those people. Not that factory in China or India. They, so they sell the goods yeah. to you. They are done with their business with you. They don't care right. if you get a lawsuit. Right. There's nothing on their end because the business is between you and them. Like I'm, yeah. I'm buying pens from you, no one else. But if I, in theory, that's what private label is, right? You're you're buying yeah. products at at cost or whatever that might be, and then reselling them for uh, a profit on on a different marketplace or platform. So that mm-hmm. that is very fascinating. So people fraudulent activity could be something that that was on was that the seller that sent that through or is that the supplier that sent that through? so it was actually the supplier who was playing the trick uh the seller and that's even worse like you don't even know what really happened and it just happened and you get the notice suddenly that oh you goofed up <laughs> so uh, like i said you are responsible and you have to take full charge of what you're doing in your business you need to understand what it is and what can really it can entail to good or bad so uh in 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 our suggestion on a daily basis what we give to clients is do not rely on what supplier is giving you number one it could be fake like i told you the example it could be a forged report uh and suppliers sometimes do this you know you go to canton fair i have been to canton fair several times and they put nice logos on their you know on the stalls i am this approved i'm that approved while they don't have anything or maybe it's a report like five years old and they edit the pdf and give you from the recent you know date so it's important that you take full charge of it the supplier's only job should be to send the sample to the lab rest you should manage directly with the lab you should get the report directly from the lab and the other reason is people say oh no i got the report from the supplier it's as good no it is not because perhaps that test which was done on a sample was not the sample from your production right you have to, it, it you have been, to get the sample yeah like it could have like been a product you, that what else they were creating right it could have been similar similar material but it doesn't be yeah. your product it could be yes. something else that they're making yeah and let's say example of pens as you said so maybe you are procuring 500 pens but you need to get two pens out of those 500 pens not other 500 pens so that you are sure that okay this is my lot which has been tested right that's you know so so i want to avoid this at all costs clearly i don't want so on my behalf i i'm hearing do everything yourself well you have to work with your supplier. The supplier is very important, right? The, we're not mitigating the the relationship you need to have a supplier. But in terms of documentation, clearly, mm-hmm. it's on you as a seller. It's important for you to not just rely on them to send documentation yeah. to Amazon, which I don't even know if that's even yeah. possible to on your behalf. Uh, yeah. But in terms of making a third party, such as a chemo, work and look at everything. Uh, a No one's in favor. Like, I'm not favoring the supplier. I'm not favoring the you know, the seller in this case, I want to know and do my job. And I'm, we have all these requirements we have to ensure by, mm-hmm. and then your name's on the line in terms of just the inspection or the lab report yeah. that you're doing. And ultimately both sides have to either agree to move forward with that product and creation or mm-hmm. you don't. So everyone kind of wins in that regards. So is that, yeah. is that our, is that our uh, advice we're telling sellers who are listening to yes, us? Yes, yes, yes. And before I go to the actual tip regarding this, there's one more thing I want to touch upon is there would there would be also cases when the supplier gets a report which is not from a legitimate lab- laboratory. It could be a small-time lab with no proper accreditation or approvals. And that's not 
actually accepted by the bodies in the US or UK, the regulatory bodies. So you have to make sure that the that the lab is properly approved and got the licenses and you know proper accreditations to do the business. Like a lab has to have ISO one seven zero two five. That's a basic basic accreditation that any lab should have. If you, if you are testing for the US market, it should be on the CPSE approved list. You can actually go on cpsc.gov and look for the approved uh, list labs. You will find us also there. So this is quite important and people don't realize there are lots of suppliers who just, you know, get a report from a neighboring Chinese lab, small lab, which has nothing. Perhaps, right. they are, perhaps they have the machines, but they are not approved. So there is a proper, you know, channel in place. You have to go through that. Right. Now, so almost, I mean, almost like if a supplier said we have a lab we can work with, you shouldn't mm -hmm. trust that specifically. You should say, hey, like, go make sure you're verified and as a seller yeah. needs to cross-reference themselves on those regulatory websites, yeah. but then also know what's approved by Amazon as well, correct? Right, right. Gotcha. So like I said, Kima has got everything in place. We have ISO 1725, we have CPSC listed. Our reports are actually very much accepted in the Europe and UK regions also. So we have got all, the, all of those things. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Take a quick drink. Uh, so, okay. So we, we talked about uh, laboratory testing. Uh, role. I want to maybe shift a little bit towards inspections, right? Um, I've had yes. lots of great conversations with a couple different inspection companies, but I want to hear your take. Like, lots of the importance of it is is by far and away exceeds. I'm assuming the cost. Why mm. inspections are important. But that being said, what's an inspection like uh, in terms of what Kima does? What are they doing if I'm a seller and working with you? What are they going to do on my behalf to make sure that I'm secure, to make sure that my, my large batch of goods is going to come mm -hmm. over and it's not all either faulty, they're all uh, accurately created, whatnot. What does what the inspection side of business look like in terms of what Kima does? Sure. So speaking of Kima and what we do in inspections, we are available in more than 85 countries and we can do inspections inspections at any stage of the production. Now, speaking of e-commerce, of course, uh, you have to make sure that the product quality is as, as you, you know, project in your listing. Okay. It should look exactly what is there in the listing. Okay. So of course you should do the pre-shipment inspection, which is the final inspection before the goods move out of the factory. You have right. to be assured that the goods that factory is finally shipping out are exactly what you told them to produce. Okay. And of course, like if you can spend a, a bit more, the suggested, you know, good best, uh, good practices also to do a during production check. Now it's, it's common logic. You know, if you check, early on, you find defects early on, you can tell the factory that, okay, this is the problem. You need to fix it so that the final goods are in good shape. My question to you, uh, and I haven't asked this question before, is who, who's responsible for faulty goods? Is that the supplier or is that the seller in that regard? So, of course- For, exa for example, you found something wrong with the product, um, mm -hmm. and then I go to my supplier and say, hey, uh, report that says from chemo that says your my products are faulty Who, mm. who's on the hook for that they the supplier they are the ones producing okay so so, so that would yeah it would be as simple as they're like oh that's our fault like we would we would we would make good mm -hmm. on that or w what's that process like in that regards yeah so so of course you know the the genuine supplier would you know take this at a at a very good note and they will 
try to you know mend the things remove the problems and you know redo the goods that's a ideal supplier and speaking of that it's very also important that early on when you are signing the pos with the supplier you put all these details there in the contract that okay you have to have this x level of quality we will do we'll be doing an inspection uh, through a third party like hema uh, if something fails you are responsible and you are also responsible for the reinspection of the goods if they fail so that they are more serious about what they are doing if you don't put this they will assume that you are going to pay for reinspection and they don't care but when you put yeah reinspection is on supply then they're like oh i should do a good job in the first go otherwise i'll have to pay for the inspection exactly on. no one wants to pay more money uh in that regards yeah. too so yeah. so with, with that being said what what's kind of the um so the process you said pre-inspection before the goods are finally shipped out um mm. maybe like the first run or so um and then every so how often are we are we doing inspections is it before every so, major shipment yes actually every shipment not just major shipment every single okay. shipment an inspection should be done uh because you never know a good supplier can turn suddenly bad you never know and the the ideal time is when more than 80% of the goods are ready and packed that's the time the inspection should be done and speaking of the day of the inspection now this is something uh, not many people pay attention to is the day of the inspection it should be at least 3 working days before the shipment date the right. reason is you should have enough time to discuss the report with the supplier and ask him to rework the goods if they need to be mm-hmm. and let me tell you suppliers are really smart they try to postpone the inspection so that there is just the 11th hour inspection it, and you yeah, know you don't put it on the boat yeah exactly yes. until your boat your boat's about to take off which which yeah. is a whole another nightmare uh, i'm assuming yeah. sellers are going through so yeah. that being said it's it's important to like have those established uh, dates and time frames of yeah 3 days before or at least it's super important to have that scheduled first and then uh, maybe your shipment scheduled you know after the mm. fact that you have your inspections and whatnot so you have that little flexibility of not is 3 days enough is 3 days too much too little uh, uh no 3 3 days is quite good uh, because uh, most of the things i've seen like the production cycles are like say 30 to 60 days so i think 3 days before shipment is good enough time of course like i said earlier if you do a during production check which people also call as inline inspection that's also a good thing to do early on if you can spend a little extra more bucks on that right so because of like delays i would you would you would not want any like delays to happen and then obviously that yeah. moves your shipment or uh, it's impossible to move your shipment so you miss you miss literally the boat uh figuratively yeah. and literally yeah. Uh, yeah. so so this is logistics in, in this side of the business is i would assume one of the more difficult places to be yeah. in right now because of just all the nuances of backups um supply chain issues and what not that's mm-hmm. not on chemo that's on just in general the volume that mm-hmm. is going through everything mm-hmm. which i would think mm-hmm. is harkening to why it's so important that and a company like yours exists because the more the the more you know orders are coming in from supplier to mm-hmm. suppliers they're trying to get it through as quickly as possible if that's not the case you know quality mm-hmm. could drop but then obviously that's you don't want that as a customer you want that uh you want them to do quality work but then get it through that's not mm-hmm. your fault but Yeah. What, what what's kind of the challenges on a day-to-day basis now that you and your team are experiencing? Well, of course, uh, the challenges are there uh because of the pandemic and different issues in the supply chain. Things are always there, but then Kima has been really inventive in its approach. Uh I'm I'm you know pretty proud of saying that Kima is the only company that really 
uh, has got IT systems engraved in the DNA of the company, and we, you know, really uh, make use of the IT systems really, really well in terms of analytics, in terms of optimizing our operations, and so on. And uh, that has been the key where how quickly we have grown as a company, and we really, you know, uh, try to give maximum benefits to our clients. Like for inspections, we can be available at any site across the globe within two days of advance notice. So if you tell us now, okay, I want inspection day after tomorrow, we are very much happy to do it. We have enough people and we have enough resources to arrange. So that's also there. And speaking of that, like I said, the e-commerce seller has to be really, really, you know, uh, planned with this whole process of, you know, starting from the product research until the deliveries into the warehouse and so on, because you really have, you have so many, you know, aspects of the business which are tied together and you really have to, you know, structure them in a nice way. So speaking of inspection, there is one thing I should tell you, like the checklist is very important, the, the QC checklist. So how uh, e-commerce could really, you know, take it up to the next level to be more successful is think yourself as the customer, if you are buying the same product from somebody else, what would you look into it? Put yourself right. in the customer's shoes. So, and I really ask, like, really take a pen and paper and try noting down all the points. So, okay, let's say, take the example of the bottle I was talking about. Let's say it's a drinking bottle. So I have to note down, okay, all the things. Okay, the bottle, when I put it on the table, it should, it should not be wobbling. The color should be nice. The label should be okay. Uh, the, you know, the, the cap should be screwing uh, really, you know, correctly. It should not be leaking and so on. So you put down all these points on a paper and write down that, okay, this is what I expect. This is, this is what I would expect if I would have bought the same product from somebody else. That's exactly what someone else is expecting out of you. So you have to think at that level that, okay, what my customer would expect. That's number one. Second thing, how you would really add to this is go to your competitors reviews, both good and bad. So that also gives a lot of insight that, okay, how my competitors are, you know, standing right. for this product. Like th right. Like this fell apart or uh, like this, this was cheap material or something like that. Yeah. You can yeah. insert that and say, make sure you're checking the durability of the handle yeah. or the, yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. whatever that might be. Yeah. And both good and bad. Some people might say, oh no, I really liked, you know, an extra ring at the at the base, so it was really sitting nicely on my table, something like that. Perhaps that could actually help you to improve your product or improve the actual quality. So take your own points, watch what you jotted down in the beginning, take the points from the reviews, and then you have a checklist. Of course, Kima is very much ready to help. So we have more than thousand different products, uh, checklist libraries, so we can help you with our checklist. We combine and we, create a, you know, customized checklist for you. And then the most important part here is, the most important part here is, you give this checklist to your supplier at the very beginning. Don't wait for the inspection. Right. Because you need to understand, look, uh, suppliers also have several customers. Every customer is different. Everyone has its different expectation. Maybe I'm selling a very cheap bottle. Perhaps you are selling a high and high quality bottle with good margins. So you would really be, you know, after the supplier for a top notch quality while I'm like, okay, I'm just for promotional, 
it's just a promotional bottle for me i don't care people will just drink you know two glasses of water and they will throw them away right you know so so the same supplier is is producing for you and for me and the the expectations are entirely different so unless you tell them in the beginning it's hard for them imagine like you don't give them the checklist you don't set your expectations with them in the beginning itself correctly of course they will be falling flat in the end right it's like anything where you it's a um it's a perceived notion and then all of a sudden you're you have like 3 months in or a month in mm. of maybe even a job and you're they're saying oh well where's this and you're like well you never told me that i need to do mm. this as part of this mm. job they're like well i assumed you would and mm. no it's communication in that regards what i've heard yeah. a lot too is suppliers do actually really do appreciate being upfront mm. being very detailed in terms of like i need this kind of color i need this kind of look these are the specific nature of material I want. This is all these kinds of different things. And the more detailed you are up front, the more apt they are to work with you because they know for a fact, you know, specifically what you want and need and what it's going to look like. If it's just a, I want a water bottle. I don't really care what color and I want it to look nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, and speaking, I, speaking, they would move you to the back of the line in that regard. In my, yeah. In my Absolutely. And when you said the word communication and hit my mind, it's it's also so important that you speak the language of the industry and perhaps the language of the supplier. I'm not saying literally like you start speaking Chinese tomorrow, but there is another you know really good tip which I like to give to people is try to translate these expectations, these checklists into the local language of the factory. Because what happens is and especially in China, Uh, perhaps the person you are communicating with is the owner of the factory who might know english or he's a sales person he's not the actual person on the production floor the guy on the production floor he needs to understand the product than anybody else so and perhaps that guy is not speaking english he doesn't so understand do you, english so that well i was going to say so does kima do that or would it be best if i worked with a guy for example wild tea translations or a company that does yeah. translations should i say yeah. hey would it be, be would it be okay if like you translate my instructions or the product uh you know product dimensions and what not into localized language to make more sense so it's easy to communicate is that is that what you would recommend yeah. or okay. yeah the letter the, the letter part, the letter option is better because anyway you will be getting your uh, translation for other things and you will be also setting up the contract in the beginning so you have to give this thing with with the contract or just right after contract so you can ask one of those companies to help you for that amazing stuff so let me say ro i know where we're kind of budding up on time what, what does the industry look like for you you've been in a long time and I'm, i i call you, i want you're an expert foremost in in this space what what's this year been like and kind of what is it going to continue to go in the next you know year or so that you're excited about maybe stuff people need to or listener who's listening to this needs to be on the lookout for well uh e-commerce is not dying and people are actually really looking up for e-commerce because covid and other situations in the industry they are going to have different you know effects on our lives and this is not going away so we have to really look forward to the business and you know make it better and better because the whole scenario is changing like i i mentioned about amazon coming after sellers because they are also facing certain legal situations amazon itself so they are also getting stricter with time and 
there is also one thing which i see is people say yeah that guy did it i can also do it uh, you can't just be a sheep and follow the herd you know blindly you have to do what not everyone else is doing you have to be unique and correct in the approach not like just follow the herd and perhaps they are doing things wrong because the market is growing really competitive while it's growing but it's also competitive like because even the traditional you know retailers they are also going omni channel retailers there are companies who have who have been selling all that time in their brick and mortar stores but now they are trying to get online because they see people are not moving out of their houses to buy they want to buy online so the market is growing but also so is the competition and the complexities around the business and speaking of that this it's also important that you make sure that your suppliers your whole you know uh, all the stakeholders are very well you know like i said structured and speaking of suppliers you can also ask to do an audit at the suppliers at the factories to make sure that you have chosen the correct factory perhaps you know because if you go on e-commerce b2b platforms like alibaba and so on you might find a supplier but maybe the factory is in a dilapidated condition you don't know you are sitting in in the west coast while the factory is in in the north of china you don't know what what's really on the ground so you might have given the po and they would have given you know really nice promises to you but perhaps 3 months later you have nothing so right. you could also be you know be reassuring yourself that okay i have chosen the factory but is it the right one for me should so i just send somebody yeah yes okay. we do we do that as well so we do uh, factory audits to make sure that the capacity and capability is as you want them to and we also do ethical audits by the way this is also interesting and as you say how the industry is moving forward the bigger brands and companies of course they understand the you know bigger you know subjects like csr and sustainability and environmental compliance and social compliance and that's the thing because yes you know people are really rushing in here and there but climate change and these topics are absolutely important for us to also take care of so ethical audits is a good thing to do uh, you can have a factory which is ethically compliant it has got all the things in place they are not having child labor they don't have forced labor they are paying their workers on time and it might surprise you we actually did a study that the factories and suppliers who had high ethical audit scores were actually excelling nicely in productivity and quality also i mean it's common logic like if the worker is happy if he's being paid on time he would be really working hard in a sincere way to produce that product simple right right So, so those are tensions for me. I I'm over here. I'm just like I'm absorbing everything because if you're a listener and you, you can't see my face or you're not looking at my face, I'm just it it all makes sense to me, right? This this industry, I say industry, it it touches it's a spider web, right? We we every part stems from manufacturer and distributor, right? No matter if you're selling a product in uh online or if it's in retail, you have to understand that all these different things are going to be beneficial for you moving forward it is an investment yeah. it is not a uh it's not another fee uh like uh, associated with amazon it is something that you were truly doing to protect yourself to be profitable moving forward so yeah. it's almost like that upfront cost of investing your products and yourself and your inventory instead of you know trying to trying to skate by with 
the bare minimum because that is only going to set yourself up for failure in regards. A rule I know we we surpassed our hour that I promised that I would have you only for. Uh, people are going to want to definitely reach out to you in, in this regards because I know I'm fascinated by everything that we touched on today. How do we do that? How do we connect with you? Um, is it through email? Is it through website? Is it through connection on social media? What does that look like? Very short and simple. Just go to kima.com and you can reach us there. We have our contact us page. You can call us, email us, and send messages through the uh, web page anytime. That's super easy, and I'll even put it in the comment section. Just so it's a little bit easier for people to find it as well. So kima.com again, everyone. It's going to be right there on the page right there. Here we go. Kima.com. Uh, make sure that you go ahead and check that out. And look, we already have some fans. Great episodes roll. So look, you already Thank got you. fans uh, speaking. Uh, just so much information, uh, wealth of knowledge that you are in the space. I'm sure that there's so many different problems. This industry feels like a, a puzzle constantly that you're trying to uh, put in certain pieces into. It's a new one every single day. So that, that's why it's super fascinating. Um, and I'm super appreciative of why you hopped on Crossover Commerce today. Thank you so much for your time. I know it's super late there. So uh We'll rest well overnight, uh, and we'll we'll be Thank in you. touch uh, soon. Thank you so much for your time today, Roel. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me again. Uh, awesome. No problem whatsoever. And again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into episode uh, if 143 of Crossover Commerce. This is, again, uh, presented by Pingcorn Payments, uh, helping cross-border payment solutions, um, saving more money, whether it's paying suppliers and manufacturers like we were talking about with Roel, or um, receiving remittance from different kinds of uh marketplaces worldwide that being said this episode uh, will be available on the audio format here later on make sure you go ahead and check out if you want to follow different episodes of crossover commerce subscribe to our channels on social media follow myself and also make sure you give a shout out to our guests um, let them know what you thought of the different kinds of topics we covered today as well We'll catch you guys next time again tomorrow. Um, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking with Kathleen Booth of Clean.io, uh, how coupon extensions interfere with e-commerce revenue. I hope you guys uh, understand how excited I am to talk about this because I used to work in affiliate marketing on the coupon side of things, and I love talking about this topic. It's super fascinating. It helps with marketing, but actually affects your budget uh, in terms of margins. Why it's important to know about this topic we're going to be covering that again tomorrow. With that being said, thank you again, Roel, and uh, Kima for hopping on today. We'll catch you guys next time.